I don't know about you, but I am so glad I decided to come to church today. Man, it's been good. I tell you what, I am just so thankful we get to spend some time together. I want to welcome those of you joining here and all of our different locations, those of you who are part of The Crossing Inside. Special shout out to those of you who are watching The Crossing online. Cool story. Last week we were preaching on circles. I wore the Be the Village shirt. A lot of you guys went and bought some sweatshirts and shirts. That link's still available if you want to buy some more. But a person uh, who uh, lives in a different state was watching our services online, heard about that ministry. They've been setting aside a pile of cash and looking for something to do with it. On Thursday before I went to preach, I got a call from the lady who works in our office who runs the not-for-profit. She got some out-of-town check from a guy saying, hey, we just believe in what you're doing. We want to support you. So those of you who are part of The Crossing Online, how cool are you guys? And we're so thankful that we get to do ministry with you. And I know... A lot of you are getting ready to start watching services online from the Lake of the Ozarks. I know that's about to happen. And I want you to know that if you want someone to preach that sermon live, if you'd like someone dockside, you know, Jesus did a lot of ministry on the shores of a lake. And if you want help, I'll come. And I can even baptize you in that water, okay? I'll do a, we'll do live sermons. We'll, we'll take the service live from your living room, your lakeside living room. Nice windows, that's what I'm going for. Now, um, we've been in a sermon series called Better, How to Win at Home, because we believe that everyone wants to win at home. And we started off the sermon series with a core belief that we have here at The Crossing, which is that we believe that God can redeem anything and everything, and that includes your family. And we talked about Kintsugi, that sometimes the broken pieces, the pieces that we want to throw away and discard that we think no longer have any value and any use, that if they're placed in God's hands, that his golden finger of redemption can put things back together in a way that is beautiful and breathtaking, and that when he's done, the end product can actually sometimes end up looking better than what the original product looked like. And we believe that God can do that in your life, in your relationships, and in your family. But we believe that in order for your family to have the best chance of success, you need to have a strong foundation and that there is no better foundation than Jesus Christ. No matter what the world throws at you, if your life, your family, your marriage are rooted in God and his word and you trust or put your life on that solid rock, you will not be shaken or destroyed. And then uh, we talked about how we are wired uh, generally around gender and generally around our emotions. And then we encourage you guys to go on a date night challenge. And if you guys haven't done that yet, you should definitely do that. And I'll, I'll give you a link in a second where you can get some of those challenges. But hearing the stories of how conversations happen inside of those marriages and what they learned about each other and how it shaped the way that they're operating is just a tremendous gift that you gave yourself and your kids and your future kids. Uh, and then last week we talked about parenting and how we're all on a journey, a journey from control to consultant, and that the way that God equipped us to navigate that transition is through circles. And we agree that everyone needs a better circle, that a better circle makes for a better experience, and that every circle needs to challenge us. And we talked about one of the shifts that we're making here at The Crossing, and that we're no longer calling our zero to 18 ministries next gen, we're gonna start calling them this gen because they're not next, they're now. We don't want them to just be leaders of uh, tomorrow, we want them to be leaders of today. And uh, we ask you guys all to take time to write thank you cards to the circle makers and circle fillers in your life. 
And we also talked about this boardroom, and I hope you guys will uh, use this in your own life, that in the boardroom of your life, you have eight to 12 seats, and you have to ask yourself, who are the people that are sitting in the boardroom of my life? Uh, because whoever you put around this table in your life, it's gonna impact uh, your marriage, it's gonna impact your parenting, it's gonna impact your uh, physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual development, your finances. Who you put in your circle and in the circle of your kids' life matters. Now some of you are going, man, I feel like I've missed a lot because you're traveling or you had something going on. So I want you to know if you're wanting to get access to some of the tools, the resources, and even some of the messages, uh, you can go to this website down here, or you can do the phone thing, thecrossing.net slash family, where you can get access to everything that we've been doing in this sermon series. So if you, you know, for you, or if you're like, man, I, that family had their windows open yesterday, and I think they need this sermon, because my neighbor, my, you, could, yeah, you could send it, okay? Um, now, today, we're going to talk about glowing rectangles. Everybody say glowing rectangles. Um, now, before I get into this message, a couple things. One, there's going to be a part of you during this message that you might think that I am like uh, your uh, right-wing champion and that like, you know, I'm, you know, uh, going way too old school and I just need you to know up front, nope, that's not what I'm actually trying to do. Um, I'm going to try and put you in a position where you can make an informed decision about how to lead yourself and your family. And I'm going to put, you're in the driver's seat, you're the expert. What I want to do is I want to make sure you're at least giving yourself the opportunity to have the conversations. And in order to do that, I want to kind of talk to you today with a pastoral voice. And, um, you know, we, we can use a lot of different voices. You know, we can sometimes talk uh, from a leadership voice and cast a compelling vision and, and paint a, a clear picture of how we're going to get to our future. And that's all well and good. And, and we can sometimes, you know, we can have kind of a, a counselor voice and help us navigate through some of the emotions. Or we can be a teacher and help us understand something more fully. Today, I really want to kind of speak to you with a pastoral heart. And you kind of have to give me permission to do that because, you know, you get to decide how much of, you know, of your pastor I get to be or not. Um, but let me explain what I'm getting at. Um, when the Bible talks about pastors, it usually uses the imagery of a shepherd. That a, a, a good pastor is a good shepherd, and a shepherd does a really good job of taking care of his sheep. And so what a shepherd's supposed to do is go, hey, sheep, look at that water. That's some really good water. You should drink that water. And look at that grass. That is some really good grass. You should eat that grass. And that, that's a wolf. Wolves bite. You shouldn't go anywhere closer to that thing. And those are thistles. And, you know, the way God made you, you got a lot of wool on you. And if you get into those thistles, you're going to get hung up and stuck. And, and that's poop. And, and we don't eat poop, okay? That's, that's, what a, that's what a shepherd does. And so what I want to do today is I want to kind of talk to you with a pastoral heart and go, hey, guys, um, those are thistles, those are wolves, and I wouldn't eat that. And you, you, listen, you make the decision, but I feel like I have an obligation to spend a little bit of time talking about something that I think is impacting us all. We're all aware of it, but maybe we're not necessarily taking the steps that we need to take to address it. Here we go. When I was growing up, we had choices Everything was a different conversation. We had a phone in our house. And then what we did is, uh, some of you, uh, we had friends who they went out and spent money on like the 150 foot long cord 
that could go from the kitchen, down the hall, into their daughter's room, into the bathroom, and into her walk-in closet, and this thing just spun all the way. Anybody, how many of you guys had that phone? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then some of, us, some of you who grew up a little rich, you had call waiting, you're on the phone. Uh, one moment, please. Hello? Yes, he is here, but um, I'm on the other line. Right? Yeah? Okay. Um, some of you, uh, you came from like super rich people, and at Christmas, like uh, you got your own phone line at the house. Like you had a separate line. You guys were total ballers. And like you would give, like after Christmas, you'd give somebody your number. Like I still remember Nikki's phone number, 058-372-0585. Sarah Ortz. Uh, 372-7631. This is back when you actually remembered people's phone numbers. Like you knew Pizza Hut. Like you knew Papa John's. Like you knew them. You called them up and they're like, what's up, man? They just knew your voice. You're like, yeah, same thing, saying, yeah, I want, you know, I want two pepperonis. I want the Steph Crust. And you know where to deliver it because you know who this is. That's how, okay? Yeah, this is, it's a whole different world. Some of you are like, tell me more, okay? Uh, like we were so young in the cell phone game that my dad's phone number is nine, uh, one of his phone numbers is 9,000, one of them is 2,000, and one of them is 9,500. That's how early we were to the cell phone game, okay? Now, bef- uh, before the cell phone game came, there was the, the, the wireless phone. Remember when you got one of those, no wires? Had the big, long antenna that when you're my height, gets stuck in the ceiling fan, okay? You're just walking, through, I can't hear you, okay? And it was huge. Remember, you had that thing and you put it on and it like wrapped all the way around your face. You needed a spotter when you're walking around with it, okay? And so whether or not you were gonna get one of those uh, was a big deal because it was a big investment. Then there was a discussion of whether or not we got the TV in in my room. And there was a discussion about whether or not we were gonna get cable. Fun fact, my parents have never had cable. They have watched whatever was free their whole lives. If they wanted to watch a game that was gonna be on cable, kid you not, they would rent a hotel room because it came with cable, no joke. Or they'd just hang out in the lobby at a hotel. Like we're just like, okay, this is how it is. Uh, Part of that was because of the finances and part of it was because some of the programming that was on cable late at night wasn't necessarily suitable for the spiritual development of a family. Then there was a discussion about whether or not we were going to have a gaming device. Um, there was going to be the, you know, can I have the Nintendo? No. Super Nintendo? Nope. Can I have the Sega Genesis? Yeah. Street Fighter? No. Couldn't have that either. In fact, I did not get a gaming device until I was a junior in college and I paid for it with my own money. A lot of my friends had Game Boys so they could play Tetris in the car ride. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that either. Then, and this is going to make some of you go, how old is Clayton? Listen, I am very young and attractive, okay? Um, I was a freshman in high school when I logged onto the internet for the first time. I remember the, it loading slowly as I looked up stock prices. You're like, Clayton, you're a freshman looking up stock prices? Yeah, suckers, I was. Wish I'd have bought Google, okay? And... I mean, this was back when Ask Jeeves was where you hung out, okay? And I remember it loading. And back then, you couldn't, we got internet at my parents' house, and you bought it by the minute. They bought like a 
an hour of internet for the whole month. Spend it wisely, kids. And you spent 28 of it loading. <laughs> right? And you couldn't sneak onto the internet at your house. You know if you know. Right? You couldn't, you couldn't just be online. They, like everybody's waking up thinking that there's a tornado. No, Dad, I'm just pulling up Yahoo. That's what I'm doing. Okay? You guys have been there. Now we uh, give our kids a phone and we're giving them all of this and more. They're getting a phone, a messaging device, the internet, VCR. Some of you are like, VCR, tell you, ask your parents, it's super cool. Email and a gaming device. There was a time when our kids were isolated from the craziness that we saw on the East Coast and the West Coast. Some of the things that we saw and heard as Dan Rather reported in the evening news, our kids were kept from. If they wanted to see something, uh, explicit content, you had to go into the video store and you had to go to the very back and you had to go into a room that was off limits to anybody who wasn't over the age of 18 and there was a video camera there to make sure that nobody went in there that wasn't supposed to go in there. If you wanted to get us other kinds of content, you had to go to the gas station and you had to ask the lady who was working at the register to reach behind the register and grab something and you had to call it by name and then she picked it up and it came in a black thing and they put it on the table. You had to ask for it. And now, all the things that we used to be able to protect our kids from are now sent to them on their phone. Jesus uses a perfect illustration of what it's like trying to lead through change. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 9. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. The goal of this sermon is to make sure that things don't burst, things aren't ruined, but that you and your family are preserved. In other words, the new patch of technology will not work with the parenting styles that you inherited from your parents the newness of technology will burst our old parenting techniques. And there is too much that has changed and there is too much at stake. We need new methods. While our desires can be the same and our principles may be the same, our method and our approach must be drastically different and kingdom focused. God gives us a cheat code on how to live the life that we were designed to live. You can find the cheat code in Proverbs chapter four. He says, above all else, preeminent, number one, numero uno, get this thing right. Above all else, guard your heart. The most important thing for you to do is to guard your heart. Why? Why is this important? He tells us, for everything you do flows from it. We must be committed to guarding our hearts and the hearts of our kids. And I hear regularly parents talking about the frustration that they have with social media and the impact that it is having on their kids, and they have plenty to be frustrated by. The link between social media and depression is staggering. 
with some studies showing a 66% increase. Hear that? But since the introduction of the smartphone, between uh, eighth grade and 12th grade, between that subset of people, among girls in that age category, the suicide rate for girls has gone up by 65%. The studies are completely conclusive. The more time you spend on Instagram, the more you will struggle with anxiety. Kids with smartphones uh, who get to take them to bed are getting one less hour of sleep than parents who make their kids turn in their phones before they go to bed. And that one hour is robbing them of the time that they need for their brain to restore and develop and be healthy, which means it makes it harder for them to learn, which makes it harder for them to pass, uh, get good grades in school, which makes it harder for them to compete in the marketplace long-term, which will long-term have economic impact negatively for them. It also uh, changes the way that their uh, brain is healed so that way they have a harder time relating to people the next day, which means that they're gonna have a harder time relating with you, their parent, which means that that extra hour of sleep is actually putting more tension on a relationship that already has a lot of tension. And as you try to navigate from control to consultant, you're doing it with a kid that's not actually in a proper place to be able to receive coaching and consultation Everybody say five. Five years ago, 62% of teenagers say they have received a nude image on their phone. That was five years ago. Five years ago, 40% say they have sent one. I know while I'm missing the sermon, you guys are all going, not my kid but I can promise you there is not another church somewhere where all of them are going, yeah, I guess it's all of us. This is real. Furthermore, you're having to fight an algorithm. And this algorithm is hard to fight because the algorithm is smarter than you. It is designed to keep your attention and keep your focus. Everything about it is designed to keep things moving. Have you noticed that when you're scrolling through Netflix, it already starts playing the video? When you pull up YouTube on your phone, do you notice how it automatically goes straight to the shorts sometimes? Because it just wants to suck you in. And the whole purpose is for you to spend a little bit more time looking and it notices what you look at. It notices what you click on. It notices how long you pause over certain content and certain Articles, it notices how long you linger. Even if you don't click on it, it notices how long you watch it without even the sound being on. And then it begins to send you more and more similar content. Recently, a pastor on Twitter, uh, you know, from like a pretty proudful standpoint, says, Parents, keep all your kids off of TikTok because my TikTok feed is nothing but girls who aren't dressed appropriately uh, dancing. And like there were some comments and then one person wrote, hey dude, it's an algorithm. The reason why your feed looks like that is because that's what you look at. That's what happens 
is the algorithm creates a world in which you think that everybody believes exactly what you believe and everybody is seeing exactly what you see. If you notice how many people get caught up in a conspiracy theory because you read one article from crazy people and the algorithm says, oh, you like crazy things? I'll send you more crazy things. And you see more and more crazy things and then eventually you see everybody who's crazy as normal because that's all you see. And then when somebody else tries to talk to you about how crazy you are, all you can do is see the person in front of you that you've known your whole life as the crazy person and the people you trust are the people you've never met online. Parents, what happens in the algorithm is your daughter is having a bad day. She doesn't feel as pretty as she normally does. And so she hops on and for some reason, because she's just kind of down and having kind of a, a, a challenging day, she gravitates to somebody else who's having a difficult day. And so she clicks on that video and she watches that video and that video talks about a girl who's struggling with her body image. And well, the longer your daughter watches that thing on body image, the algorithm goes, this girl likes to watch content about girls who struggle with body image. And so it starts populating her feed with more and more girls who are struggling with how they look. And then all of a sudden your precious little girl who you you see as absolutely beautiful and who is radiant by every standard and all of a sudden she's realizing that my goodness, look at all these girls Looks like everybody has a problem with the way that their body looks. And if those girls have a problem with the way that their body looks and their body looks better than mine, maybe I should have a problem with the way that my body looks because my body doesn't look as good as theirs. And over time, your daughter starts to experience depression, thoughts of self-harm, or maybe begins to wrestle with anorexia or bulimia. Uh, Parents who have sons, Your son is trying to figure out how to navigate his emotions and his hormones, and there's no doubt about it, he likes the sight of pretty girls, and uh, from what I've been told, the internet's full of pictures of women, and so he finds himself online, and he sees a picture of a pretty girl, and then he sees another picture of a pretty girl, and then the algorithm goes, whoever's on this device really likes pictures of pretty girls, and then it notices which kind of pictures he stays at longer, and which kind of pictures do you think your son would stay at and look at longer, and all of a sudden, your innocent child who wants one day to have a great and compelling relationship with his wife is all of a sudden bombarded by just pictures of pretty girls and over time it erodes his desire to love and care and nurture and over time it teaches him to objectify women as a way for him to get take care of his desires instead of a way for him to serve and love and care. This is how kids end up experimenting sexually and how they end up experimenting with drugs This is how kids end up eating Tide Pods. And I know that sounds crazy. And there was a time when I laughed a ton about like the whole Tide Pod craze because I'm like, like they know it's soap, right? And I mean, this weekend as I was doing laundry, humble brag, um, at my house, we have Tide Pods. And I'll be darned if they haven't made those things impossible to get out of the bag. And I'm sitting there thinking like, how did this happen? Listen, it wasn't from absent parents. It wasn't from bad parents. Those kids who were eating Tide Pods, uh, their parents looked just like you and me. It was that those kids' feeds got filled with a world of people who were eating detergent and getting popular for it. And the kids were like, I guess I could probably try and eat one too. Look what it says in Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Parents, be careful, be wise, 
Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. As Christians, we have a choice. We can either reject, receive, or redeem uh, technology. Some of you may choose right now to reject it and go, you know what, we're not gonna be doing it. We're, we're tapping out. Or some of you might say, you know what, not now. Maybe later we'll have that discussion, but we're not gonna be having that happen now. I hear a lot of parents get frustrated saying that their kids are always on their phone and inside I always wanna say, you know you can take it away, right? Like, like you can. You can take it away. Or you can get a phone that just uh, talks and texts. And that's it. So you know that they got to where they were supposed to go safely. And when they need to reach out to you and get in touch with you, they can. Uh, you could buy the light phone. Uh, this is a phone that was put together by a group of guys that were at Google. And they got charged to develop a new app. And what they realized is the world doesn't need another app. It needs a phone that doesn't have apps. And so they created this. I'm like, yeah, here you go, kid. You know, when you get cold, call me. I'll pick you up. Hear me. Some of your kids, some of your kids are going to wrestle with anxiety, depression, self-harm, low self-esteem, explicit content, and suicidal thoughts because of their use of technology and social media. And some of you might need to make a tough call today in order to have a better future with your kids tomorrow. Most of us are way more educated about alcohol and its effects on our kids than we are about social media. And I'm telling you, social media and technology are gonna have a much more profound impact on your kid than a Jack and Coke ever will. And some of you kids are listening to me right now and you're going, of all the services for us to come to, God, why do you hate me? Can I, come here. I need you to hear me say this. We are for you. And I'm telling you that there is a life for you to live and experience that is infinitely better than anything you can watch on a device. And I know it's hard. Okay, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Just remember who clapped. We're gonna have to love our kids through this because it has become an addiction that they're gonna have to be freed from. And some of them are going, they're freaking out right now, like what are mom and dad gonna do after church? And you need to lovingly help them through because you let them get there. You let them get hooked. Now, so you can reject it. You can receive it. Go, hey, social media is good. I wanna know how my grandma's doing on Facebook and I wanna know how my aunt's doing and oh, look at how good she is at making cakes. She's so good. And you, you need that information in your life. And some of you want to know how to change a tire, and so you want YouTube. Okay, you're going to receive it, but you're not going to spend all your time on it. And there might be some of you who are going, you know what, I want to redeem it. I want to be a force for good. I want to go out there and, and post encouraging content to uplift people. I want to be a light in a dark place. And you, you can do that too. And, I mean, like for me, I try carefully not to be on it too much. I don't even answer my, my messages. There's a team of people here that do it because I try not to be on it that much because if I get on it, I might, not, I might not get out. Right? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, Clayton, we get each other. We can redeem it. We can, we can choose to just post and maybe, you know, not spend a whole lot of time scrolling as much. But the other challenge that we're facing with technology is how it affects our time because it will it will. It, it creates a time trap, and the algorithm is specifically designed to steal your time. And at the beginning of the year, I preached a sermon about sometimes when it comes to starting a relationship with Jesus Christ, it just takes 
time. And one of the most important factors that you need as a parent with your kids to help raise them in a way that honors the Lord is you need time. And uh, I heard this a while back. I don't know who to give this credit for. I'm gonna walk you through these things because I've never been able to forget them. But I need you to know that I didn't come up with it, but I don't know who to give credit to, okay? So I don't want you going, man, Clayton is really getting smart. Nope, Uh, this is not me, okay? Look at this. Time over time is history. And if you lose time, you don't have history. And you're gonna need history with your kids as you try to become a consultant in their future. Love over time, that's how your child gets worth. And if you lose time with your kids, they're not gonna have a sense of their worth. They're not gonna be able to see themselves through God's eyes and they're not gonna be able to see themselves through your eyes. And listen to me, love over time is the most, is the most powerful. It's more powerful consistently than it ever is in grandiose moments. You see those people who spend big money on weddings and big money on honeymoons and big money on cars and big money on a cool experience. Listen, if you can do that, cool, great. But listen to me, those grandiose moments are not more powerful than regular time with your mom and dad. Like daily time with your mom and dad. That's where you're gonna win. In consistency, in every day, every week, every month, making strategic investments to show them your love. That's more powerful than anything you could ever purchase. Words over time, that's direction. And if you lose time, you're not gonna be able to guide them when you're no longer in control. Stories over time, that's perspective. This is how you get your kids to see the bigger picture and they'll see your words as, uh, if you don't have time, they're gonna see your words as controlling instead of wise counsel. Tribe over time, that's belonging. The word we would use here at the crossing is circles. Circles over time is belonging. The longer they have with a better circle, the greater sense of belonging that they will have. They'll spend more time being accepted by you than trying to be accepted by nameless, faceless people online. A child with a strong sense of belonging will not spend all their time trying to fit in because they already have a significant place in their own circle. And fun over time is connection. And if you don't have time with your kids, you will not have fun with your kids. We were working on rehabbing our zero to 18 ministries and we met with leaders all across the country. And one of the things that one of the leaders we met with said was brilliant, we couldn't shake it. He said, fun is the language of kids. Have you ever noticed that the younger a child is, the more they laugh and play? And then you look at you? Right? If you want to speak kids, you need to learn to speak fun. Serious question. When was the last time you had like so much fun with your kid that your head was like back, your throat was completely exposed, your stomach hurt, your sides were like, ow? It's in those fun moments that we have connections with our kids. It's when we speak their language and we need to make time for memories, lots and lots of memories, some of them planned and some of them spontaneous. I need you to hear me say this. My wife went on a, um, a girl's trip with the women in my family this week because it was spring break, okay? And um, so I was, I was at home with the boys. And I wrote this sermon on Monday and Tuesday. And I had them spend the days on their iPad so I could write this message. <laughs> I need you to, I'm coming to you as one of you. So on Wednesday, 
I loaded them up, and I took them up to my parents' house. It's about an hour away. I, I bought a you know, 12-pack of Mountain Dew, uh, grabbed another guy who works on staff and his two dogs, which are Border Collies, and we have the, one of those ugly golden doodles, and so they thought it was a sheep, and so they basically just herded my dog for hours. <laughs> I, I loved it. I was like watching. I was like, yeah, make him run, okay? Um, it didn't cost us too much. I mean, we had to drive an hour, which was, you know, like 800 bucks in gas, but for the most part, like pretty reasonable. And uh, I guess, ch- listen to what we did. We drank Mountain Dew. We watched our dog get herded. We rode four-wheelers, and we just walked in the woods, and you'd have thought my boys were walking on the surface of the moon. They thought they were Lewis and Clark. Not once did they ask for their iPad. Here's the problem. I did math this week. From the time your kid enters into kindergarten all the way until they graduate from high school, you have 4,745 days with them. That's what you have. That's it. That's 113,800 hours. Of that time, you're going to spend, if you're lucky, they're going to sleep eight hours a day. Some of you with young kids, God bless you. It's coming. One of these days, they'll be teenagers, and you won't be able to get them out of bed till 11 a.m. on a Saturday. They'll learn to sleep. God bless them. If you sleep eight hours a day, which is what your doctor recommends, uh, one-third of the remaining time you have with your kids is gone. If you're a parent, and you love your kids, and you love the Lord, and uh, you're capable, you're going to do the honorable thing, and you're going to go get a job, and you're going to work hard to provide for them and make sure that they have a chance to have their needs met. And so you're going to spend 3,250 days at work, 26,000 hours. If you divide all that by 24, you're going to spend 1,083 total days at work. That is one-fourth. You've lost one-third to sleep. You've lost one-fourth to work. This is all you have left. That's it. 2,081 24-hour time periods with your kids. The average person spends five hours a day on their phone. Those of you who have iPhones, during this message, you've received your iPhone report. You know I'm preaching the gospel. The average American spends five hours a day on their phone. Over the next 13 years, they're going to spend 988 days on their phone. They're going to spend half of the remaining time they have left with their kids on their phone. Remember when you were clapping about kids getting off their phone? They want you to get off yours. Like you're clapping, like, man, my kid needs to put the phone down. Yeah. This is what adults are spending, not kids. Kids is worse. But why would they put their phone down if you're not putting, give them an alternative. This guy? This guy right here? Oh, this little guy? These 17 days? Well, the average person at our church comes to church 1.8 times a month, which means they're going to come 21.6 weekends a year. If you were to be here for an hour and a half, which means you'd be here 15 minutes early and stay 15 minutes late, and I know you. That ain't you. We're going to get 17 days with your kid. 17 total. Why do you think we push camp so hard? 
Because it's a force multiplier in the spiritual development of your kid's life. We're not asking you to send your kid to camp for us. We're begging you to send your kid to camp on behalf of your kid. Because we only get 17 days. And man, our people here at our church are good. But they're not that good. Because they're going to spend 58 more times on their phone. They're going to be discipled by this. And you think we're going to try and fix it with 17 days against 988? And look how much time you have with them. I can barely lift this thing. And we're giving half of it to our phones. Is that how you want it to be? Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians. I have the right to do anything. You all have a right to technology. You all have a right to social media. You have a right to it all. You say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. I want some of you to ask yourself this question. Is this beneficial? Is this constructive? And is this good for my family? Here's what I want you to do. At all of our locations, I have two challenges for you. One, I want you to attend the tech class that we're offering at our different locations. Because there are tools that we wanna put in your tool belt to help you navigate your kids' usage of technology, okay? You get to make the decision of how you wanna do it, but we, if you're gonna use it, we at least want you to be informed so you know how to navigate it. And our people have been working on this because we love you and we're for you and we want you to win at home. Second thing, here's the challenge. This week, at least two nights. Everybody say, at least. At least two nights. I'm like, if you're going to leave our church, leave after you do this, okay? Two nights this week, from six to eight, I want you to turn your phone off. All of them. Turn your TVs off. All of it. No devices. You're like, but what if grandma dies? She ain't going to call you anyway. <laughs> like, right? Like, I mean, I'm never... I mean, if you're getting calls from dead people, you know, call me, okay? <laughs> listen, th there's going to be a day where grandpa or grandma or something bad is going to happen, but you are not, listen to me, you are not leaving your phone off for all of those things. Like some of you are like, I'm an ER doctor. Yeah, you have a pager, which is weird that you make all that money and you still rock a pager, but cool. Uh, some of you are like, what's a pager? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Look at me, two hours, you're not going to solve any of it. In two hours, you can pick up the pieces. You've all been on planes, and you've made it two hours without your phone ringing. And guess what? The world just kept on spinning because you're not that important. We just need to recognize that. Turn it off. Well, what are we going to do for two hours, Clayton? Check it out. It's going to sound crazy. Cook a meal. It might not be that delicious. Eat it anyway with your kids, go for a walk, throw a ball, play a board game, make a memory, at least twice this week. And at the end of the week, I want you to ask yourself this question, was it better? And you already know I'm right. You're already going, this is, oh, I can't wait. Make spaghetti and wear white shirts and make it into a color run. 
Make a memory and don't stop halfway through it to post online and brag about how cool your spaghetti shirts are. Just be in the moment and stop trying to be a celebrity. Just be a mom. Just be a dad. Go on a walk and do something silly to a neighbor. <laughs> Laugh. Like, some of you are like, well, I'm single. What should I do? Put your phone down. Go grab a meal. Read your Bible. Find someone who you want to be like and take them out to eat and just talk to them. Find someone that you want to invest in and spend time with them. Stop trying to escape all the time in technology. Here's what's happening. We are slowly over time being convinced that our life is not worth living and the best thing we can do with our life is to watch other people live their lives online. And what you're saying is, is that you don't think your life has value and purpose and meaning and significance because you don't have anything to contribute and add and change. We are watching other people instead of living the life that God breathed into us. We are watching what God breathed into others instead of offering our piece of the contribution. You might not think your life was worth all that much, but I need you to know it was worth enough that God sent his son. In fact, he was willing to uh, send his son to die so that way you could live. You might be looking at your life going, I don't have that much to offer. I need you to know it was enough that God sent his son to offer on your behalf. Stop wasting the life that God is trying to redeem. I want you to think about that as we're moving to a time of decision. It's been weird. Um, a lot of old people really like this sermon. Um, I had someone on Thursday night come up to me with tears in his eyes, saying that whole sermon reminded me of my dad, who every time when he came home for work, he would take me out in the backyard and he would throw the ball back and forth with me. And it wasn't long before all the kids in the neighborhood were in my backyard. And I got a little frustrated. All my friends came over to play catch with my dad. And little, I didn't realize that I was the lucky one who had a dad who would spend time with his kid. And all the other kids in my neighborhood were just hungry for someone to invest in them. And I know there's plenty of dads in this room who are frustrated with what you're seeing in the world. And I'm wondering, you're frustrated with what you see in your neighborhood. And I'm wondering if anything would be different if instead of complaining about it, you, got, you went to Dick's and you bought a new glove today. And you went home and you just said, all right, well, we're going to play catch. Until your arm hurts or my arm hurts. You're not making memories watching a movie. Do something with them. Moms, I wonder what, what would happen if you were to like open up your home and let some kids come in and hang out and laugh with them and sit around the table and tell stories and tell jokes and make mac and cheese. Just spend time with them. And I know, parents, there's some of you in here that I'm, I'm writing this sermon. I, I get done with it. I preach it on Thursday. I'm watching the NCAA tournament late on Friday night, and a commercial comes on by Duracell, and they're telling you which brand you should pick, and they're going, because if you pick the wrong one, then it flashes to a kid in the car screaming because you don't want your battery to die. Because if the battery dies, you're going to have to interact with your kid. You're choosing which battery you want based on whether or not you have to interact with your kid. 
Anybody in here old enough to remember when it was the car rides that you actually got to ask dad questions? It was when mom would tell you stories. And what do we do? God forbid we get in the car and go somewhere without something to turn on. And we are going to wake up one day and they will be gone. And we will want them to know that God loves them and he cares for them and that he believes in that they can do great things, but they will never hear it because they'll never hear it from us. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take these two challenges. Parents, I'm asking you to come up here, get down on your knees, and pray that God will bring about clarity about how you are supposed to proceed. And we need to proceed in humility, parents. If you're going home thinking your kid's the problem, chances are your kid doesn't have a job, they didn't buy it, you gave it to them thinking you were cool and you like yours just as much as they like theirs. We're gonna have to lead through this one with a lot of humility. But I think deep down inside, I know you want it. You want a different family, you wanna win. Well, let's start that. To the rest of you in this room, you're going, man, what is up with this church? Listen, hear me. We're gonna get back to it, trust me, but we, we needed to just pause and spend some serious time helping people win at home. But the core belief at our church is that anybody can have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You heard me say that at the end of my message, your life has purpose and value. Not only did God create you, he sent his son to redeem you. And if you've been coming to this church for a really long time and you've never started that relationship, uh, we'd like to help you answer some of the questions you might have about how to start it. And in just a few moments, me and somebody else, we're gonna be right over by that baptistry and we would love to talk to you about what that looks like because we believe that it'll be one of the best decisions you've ever made. Would you guys stand with me? God, use this moment right now in a powerful way to bring about a change that only you can bring. God, as we get down on our knees, as we pray to you, God, meet us here. Meet us in a profound way. I'm asking you to heal and redeem and restore things that are broken in our home and draw those who are far away close. In your name I pray.